from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, verses 1 through 14. Hear now God's word. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Before I invite you to join me in prayer, I want to recognize the beautiful flowers on this Pentecost Sunday given by Martha Pentecost. I see Martha here with her extended family, given in honor of her husband, Mark, and her two children, Mark and Laura. With a name like Pentecost, it's appropriate that you have flowers for today, and we're thankful for the gift that you have brought to us. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open your word afresh to us this day so that we would be different people than those who came into this sacred space this morning, even to be more like your son, Jesus the Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I want to begin my brief homily in an offbeat sort of way. I'm going to need you to follow me a little bit because I want to talk about zombies. 
More specifically, I'd like to compare the way that zombie apocalypse stories have been changed over time in the ways in which they have been told. Uh, in Haitian and Brazilian folklore, this is, these are cultures that have produced some of the earliest recorded zombie stories. In Haitian and Brazilian folklore, a zombie was made by magic. Some witch doctor would cast a discreet spell or voodoo on a person and they would become brainwashed and they would be exclusively obedient to the witch doctor's bidding. They lose their will. They lose their self-determination. In original zombie stories, zombies were taken over by magic and the only way they would come out of their zombie state, the only way to lift the curse or to break the spell is with a bit of counter magic. You need a good magic to undo the bad magic. You need a good spell to undo the evil spell. Well, zombie stories have changed over time. The ways that the people tell these stories have changed over time. In modern stories, there's a different uh, storyline altogether. Narratives like the movie World War Z, some of you have seen that film, or some of you, if you were honest, love to tune into Netflix and watch that show called The Walking Dead that's filmed right here in Atlanta. Oftentimes in these modern tellings, these zombies are referred to as the undead. And we're told in these modern versions that these zombies aren't made by magic, but they're made by some sort of scientific mishap or some pathogen or some communicable disease. And the way the zombie apocalypse is overcome in these modern tellings is by finding a cure is by finding an antidote produced in some lab or in some medical center. The ways these stories have been changed over time, I think, actually parallel the shift we have experienced in moving from a religious age to a secular age. In a religious age, there were forces of good and forces of evil that could come upon us, that could overtake us, spiritual forces that could actually change human agency, that could change our will, could change our desire. In a secular age, though, we're taught to believe that there are no external forces. There are just internal, explainable, material forces and phenomena. Do you see the parallel, the point I'm, I'm trying to make here? In the age of religion, zombies are made by magic, and they are unmade by magic. In the secular age, zombies are made by a material, explainable, scientific phenomenon, and they are unmade by material, explainable, scientific phenomenon. Now, this isn't totally random because I started thinking about zombies when I was preparing for this sermon and I reread Ezekiel 37. This really is the first time that I've started thinking about zombies in this text. Perhaps it's because zombie stories are still around. Zombie stories are still being told through film and the written word and other forms of media. And when you reread this text on, on Pentecost Sunday, you, of course, are reminded of, 
of, of the story of Acts 2 that, that sort of anchored our time together from the call to worship the story about the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the friends and faithful of Jesus as they are sent out and empowered and equipped to go out into the world. I, I think about that story certainly when I read Ezekiel 37, but I started thinking about zombies as well. I just want to take a half step back to let you know how my mind works and how I got there. Ezekiel lived during a time when the people of Israel were exiled into Babylon. And this story for the people is a hope-filled metaphor. If God can bring these bones to life, then God can certainly restore Israel as a people, especially as a people who feel as if life and faith has been dissected, as if life and faith has been dried out, broken up, strewn, and scattered about. Now, as you read this story and you think about this hopeful metaphor, I want to describe for you the moment I thought about zombies, the exact moment, in fact. It was in verse 8. God has instructed Ezekiel to preach, to prophesy, to preach to the dead, to preach to these bones. And as he does, God does something miraculous. God brings the bones together, brings sinews and flesh and skin upon them. But here's the moment. The text says this, but... The very moment I started thinking about zombies, but, but there was no breath in them. The Hebrew word for breath here is the same word for spirit. So another way to say this is that there was no spirit, no animation, no will, no desire in them. I think they were kind of like zombies. They weren't living, but they weren't dead. They were sort of undead. And the only things that will move them from being undead to genuine, authentic life was breath, was spirit. In other words, the undead required something from the outside. They required something transcendent. They required, can we say it like this, a magic, a wind, something surprising to bring them back to life that the writer says only God can do. As I mentioned, the Hebrew word for breath is the same word for spirit, which is why this text shows up every Pentecost Sunday in tandem with Acts 2, as we're reminded of the breath of God, the Spirit of God being poured out on God's people. And so for the people of Israel who feel cut off, perhaps who feel even undead given their plight, given their exile, given their captivity, these breathless bodies, these spiritless bodies are a perfect metaphor for how they feel. They look alive, but they're not. And I wonder how many of us in a morning like this one resonate with this imagery. How many of us look like we're alive, but there's a lot of undeadness going on below the surface. Perhaps we're zombie-like as we give into chemical dependencies that, that numb us or to seek uh, to provide an escape to that which we have found so difficult to resolve. Or perhaps we are zombie-like in our competitive, highly anxious, zero-sum game culture as we, as we try to outdo one another in terms of wealth, in terms of power, in terms of influence. Perhaps we're zombie-like in the ways in which we play the imposter doing what we think society expects of us instead of living into our authentic vocational-driven selves. Or perhaps we're zombie-like in our apathy 
to injustice and, and human suffering. And, and perhaps for many of us, we've, we've lost the capacity to empathize with those who are hurting, with those who are suffering, with those who are different than us. And, and what will free us from our state, we ask? What will free us from this undeadness? Folks like us who are formed in a secular age have been conditioned to think that our zombie-like state is exclusively a matter of brain chemistry. We've been formed to think that our zombie-like state is, is related to psychological disorder or evolutionary impulse or political immaturity or biological deficiency. Like the modern telling of the zombie apocalypse story, our state can be explained by science or technology or by reason and our healing and our, uh, our, 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 our liberation from this zombie-like state will only be accomplished by scientific or technological means. Now, I want to be very clear here as I wrap up. I believe in science. I believe in science. As a cancer survivor, I believe in medicine. I believe in good governance. I'm a Presbyterian. <laughs> I believe in political theory. I believe in technology. I believe in psychology. I believe in sociology. I believe in therapy. I believe in all of these disciplines and all of these sciences that have rendered so much good in the world. Theologically speaking, I see them as an extension of God's grace. The church doesn't do away with these, but celebrates them as an extension of God's grace for the good that God is bringing into the world for the sake of human flourishing. But friends, I also believe, and all you have to do is turn on a news cycle. I also believe that there are zombies being made and that some of the undeadness of our lives and our world cannot be resolved by technology cannot be resolved by science. There are spiritual problems at work. Pentecost says that there are some dry bones and there are some zombies that will only be brought to life by an act of God. And deep down, many of us know this to be true. Deep down, many of us long for this to be true because we need more than what technology and science and reason will give us. We need the spirit. We need the very breath of God. In church, God can do such a thing, but we have to be open to receive it. We have to be willing to be breathed on. We have to open ourselves up to be made alive by this spirit that breaks into our world afresh each and every day. Can these bones live? That's the question on Pentecost Sunday. Can these bones live? And the answer in the good news on a Sunday like this one is yes, they can. Because the Spirit of God is in our midst and continues to penetrate us and change us for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the world. Amen. As spirit-led people, I'd invite you to prepare your hearts and your minds for the offering as our ushers come forward and as our choir and orchestra continue to offer their gifts in our time of worship.